Tony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 25th, 2021. It is Tony here in Saskatchewan. Uh, and it's Lewis out here in BC, and it's actually the 24th. It is indeed the 24th. Thank you. He's getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to a full uh, edition. How are you? Oh, whoops. Yeah, should get to that first, shouldn't we? I'm actually doing okay. I'm yeah. Rip roaring, excited to get onto the show. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. The weather's improving out here, so I can't complain. Oh, that's good. Well, we can't complain about that. We have tons to complain about on the show today. And uh, sorry, Canada, yeah, for I was the gun on that to, one. I, w- <laughs> I was going to uh, uh, say that, actually. I was going to say I can't complain about the weather, but I can sure complain about a lot of other things. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, uh, Canada, if you did not hear, Lewis had published a rant earlier today. And if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, please do so after this show. And I'm just going to go out on the limb right now and say, Canada, I don't like to make predictions like this, but this today is going to be the kind of show that you are going to want to share with some of your friends. We have an awful lot going on today. So uh, without further ado on the show today, Ontario MPP Roman Babber has emotion that is altered. Canada still failing on the vaccine front, and one more province goes their own way. And a motion declaring Chinese genocide passes in the House with no help from the federal cabinet. Lewis has some updates on Bill C-21 that are going to frost your bananas. Lewis also has some words on C-22. Tony is absolutely livid with, uh, with the medical assistance in dying bill. And our federal provincial debt is how much? And so much more. We're, yeah, I don't know how we're going to get to it all. Yeah, I don't know either, but we'll uh, we'll do the best we can. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's start with Roman Baber because I have no idea what this is about. So you're going to be uh, telling me something I haven't heard. Good, and you are going to love this one, Lewis. Um, so Canada, those of you who don't know, Roman Baber was, uh, is sorry, an Ontario MPP, member of the Provincial Parliament, and he was kicked out of caucus by, by Doug Ford recently, so he, he is, because uh, he dared to, to question the whole COVID and vaccine front. So at any rate, he is now an independent member of the Provincial Parliament, and he brought a motion forward in the Ontario legislature s- suggesting that MPPs, sh- while the while lockdowns are on, sh- should be paid the same rate of, of pay as what Canadians would get on the CERB so that the MPPs can understand what it's like for their constituents to have to live on CERB. To me, I say bravo, Mr. Baber. Great move. So here's the twist. Once yeah. I thought to myself, that guy deserves a medal. So here is what absolutely ripped me about this is that Mr. Baber's cohorts, all other Ontario MPPs in the provincial legislature, decided to make an absolute mockery of Mr. Baber's motion. And they said, well, we're going to change this motion. And then they voted unanimously to 
make the $2,000 a month payment apply only to Mr. Baber. If that, uh, if that isn't the ultimate well, uh, let them eat cake moment, I don't know what is. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's just extreme arrogance. And I mean, it, it just shows you exactly how out of touch our elected officials are. Like, that's... Wow. Well, Ontario, that is the government you voted for. And I'm not talking about just the Conservatives. I mean, if, if they voted unanimously for that, that's all parties. Exactly. And that's... I'm, ah, wow, I'm speechless. It's the ultimate dick move. I mean, I hate to use language like that, but I mean, that's just, I just, I can't believe the arrogance of, of his colleagues. They don't get it. No, they don't. Like, that's it's, thing. it's fine and dandy for them to order businesses to be shut down. Nobody can go to work. Business owners are losing everything and they continue to get their full salary yeah i mean it, it's it's absolutely asinine i mean if if government officials are going to order businesses closed and people not able to go to work for months and months and months on end i mean and for some of these businesses we're closing in on a year um, I'm sorry, but they can go to hell. Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. This, the arrogance and the self-entitlement is, is absolutely sickening. And Mr. Ford and every single one of his uh, cabinet ministers and his MPPs and everybody in the opposition should all be ashamed of themselves. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. And thankfully, the saving grace for Mr. Baber is that the Speaker of the Legislature in Ontario spoke up and said that they actually cannot legally pass any motion or bill that affects only a single MPP. They can only pass a motion that applies to all MPPs. So... Therefore, it was symbolic at best. But still, the ultimate, uh, you know, budding their thumb as they used to do in, in medieval times. Like I just, like you say, it's sickening. It's it's just they don't they don't get it. I mean, they're sitting there with their public sector salaries, not losing a damn thing. While you're right, there's there's factories. I mean, Ontario is the manufacturing hub of Canada, so there is a hell of a lot of blue collar jobs that are idle right now and i'm sure that the mpps probably gave themselves a raise during 2020 and the rest of you peasants huh, screw you yeah well and i mean this isn't just the elected officials i mean we know about uh i mean remember we first alerted canada about uh code 699 in the federal government way back in july june in June or July of last year, we we notified our listeners of this, and it was a code that the that federal government employees can bill their time to 
if they have nothing to do or if they're at home, um, if they're at home because of COVID, but they're not working. And it was like $815 million the last time I looked. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Like I'm, uh, I'm really stunned. I mean, uh, I mean, and this, just to wrap this, this segment up, I mean, Lewis and I have said on this show for so long, and it started with a rant Lewis had give, saying it's time for a political revolution in this country. Like, we have to get a different mindset of politician in this country. Yeah, we do. I'm just, I'm done. I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to 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 say or do i mean aside from running for office myself but i don't want to do that yeah well i hear you all right i mean it's it's uh god i don't know what to say man i mean like what they, do, what they just did is absolutely it's sickening it's disgusting and it makes me so angry that I wish I could just sit here and yell for a couple of hours, but we have too much else to talk about. Well, exactly, yeah. So we'll quickly bat down the vaccine front here. Um, I know every week we talk about vaccines, and Canada still is dropping the ball. Now, with the 448,000 doses that we are supposed to be incredibly ecstatic about this week, Canada will now need 1.4 million doses per week in order to meet their target of 4 million Canadians vaccinated by the end of March. All I can say is good luck on that, Canada. And Premier Scott Moen, Saskatchewan, I have to give a shout out to, because he has now joined Brian Pallister in saying, you know what, we got to go our own way. And Mr. Moe put 14 million of Saskatchewan taxpayer dollars into Vito Intervac to help them develop their vaccine, which is now in uh, human trials in, in Halifax, in Dalhousie. Well, that's good to hear, but I mean, I, I just don't understand what is going on with this federal government. I mean, they can't get any flipping vaccines and they keep bragging about how they're doing so good on the vaccine front. Well, guess what? I mean, like we've fallen to like almost 60th place in, in the world for countries who are getting their, their uh, populations vaccinated. Yeah. But Lewis, you got to understand we have the most diverse portfolio of vaccines of any country in the world. I mean, we are expected (laughs) to have 81 million doses by the end of September. I keep forgetting. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, most diverse uh, vaccine portfolio. Yay. I don't see what that that does us if we don't have any vaccines. Well, exactly, yeah. So, uh, So good luck to us, Canada, as we watch our neighbors to the south vaccinating a million people a day. We which sit on the sidelines. Which I want to point out, uh, Tony, they were vaccinating a million people a day before Biden came to office. That's actually, that, it's good that you pointed that out because that's very true. Yeah. And uh, so they're going at a, at a great pace while Canada struggles even to uh, 
to keep up keep the supply up to the provinces. Provinces are waiting for vaccines. So we're struggling to even vaccinate anyone. Period. Yeah. Exactly. So and and what I don't understand are the provinces that are holding back the second dose. Why? You're just holding back immunity from these people. Like I don't I don't understand why you're holding back the second dose. Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, they should get the second dose to those who need it. And then as more come in, then we can start, you know, getting to the next phase or getting to people who haven't got it yet. That's, uh, yeah, but that's on the provinces and I'm not afraid to call them out either. Like they've got to, they've got to get their, their act together as far as, you know, who they're prioritizing. But at the end of the day, we need vaccines. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a few absolutely fuming topics here. Do you want to jump on C21? Sure, yeah. Okay. As, so- we, all know, as we all know, the uh, Bill C21 that was tabled in the legislature last week uh, is the new gun control bill that only targets, for lack of a better term, um, legal licensed law-abiding firearms owners. It does not target criminals. It does not target smuggling across the border. It doesn't target any of those. It just targets the people that will follow the law anyway. And now we're finding out, and this is this is one, I mean, I can I can understand, I can at least have have a little understanding as to why people think banning handguns is actually going to help when it won't. But what I don't understand is why, and the federal government has admitted this, that they actually were targeting uh, replica firearms such as BB guns, air rifles, and... Uh, Airsoft rifles, which are they're they're made to look airsoft rifles are made to look like military weapons, even though they are basically a uh, a BB gun, and uh, they um, they've in this legislation in this legislation those rifles will all be banned. Now, airsoft is an entire industry. There are airsoft ranges there are airsoft uh kind of like paintball ranges except they're they're for airsoft and the police and the military use airsoft for training and all of those weapons are now going to i mean they're not even weapons they're they're training guns like they're not even weapons and they're those are all going to be banned and the government has admitted that they were doing that, that they intentionally uh, targeted those as, as, and I'm using quote, air quotes here, firearms that needed to be banned. <laughs> now, uh, I want to give some perspective here for our, our listeners who might not be as familiar with the airsoft guns. I used to have one. They fire these little orange plastic BBs and... This is how deadly an airsoft pistol is. I used to shoot this in my house and my cats would chase the BBs around. They 
the I've, I've actually my son actually hit me with one they don't even hurt they bounce off then you might get a little red mark that'll last a few seconds these things are toys i mean they're they're toys i mean they're not i wouldn't give them the children but they're still they're toys like i say i used to shoot the pellets around so my cats could chase them these things are not dangerous in the least no the, the police and the military use them for training where they shoot each other and yeah, well, there you go people people use them and like they've airsoft has actually kind of i think it's overtaken paintball as the preferred uh the preferred uh, game like war game no oh. and it's and and they don't they hurt less than paintballs do like paintballs actually hurt yes they do <laughs> and these airsoft guns they don't hurt like you you might get a little sting when you when you get hit with it but it's nothing like a paintball no absolutely right yeah and I discovered something else when I was reading. I'm not sure if it was an article that you had sent me or if it was one from uh, from Brian Lilly. But not only are airsoft guns going to be banned, you're going to love this, Canada. If you have a paperweight, for example, that just happens to be in the shape of a, of a gun, that is now going to be illegal. If you happen to have... Oh whatever kind of replica some people have like a, a, a hand grenade bubblegum dispensers i've seen those before those will now be illegal because they look like they are a weapon and the list goes on i mean a bar of soap that's shaped like a rifle is now is now going to be banned i mean this is the inmates are running the goddamn asylum in that place wait what well you didn't read that part no yeah, I, what, what's that got to do with safety? Oh, I, I, I'm sure it's all. It's because if some kid happens to see a, his candy dispenser looks like a grenade, he's gonna think that a real grenade is just gonna be candy, and he can throw it around and he'll kill people. Don't you know that? Uh, well, except grenades are banned. <laughs> exactly. Already, like I, don't, I don't understand this thought process like i thought this had to do with firearms violence like gun violence this legislation yeah and um as with everything with the trudeau government it's about control canada it's not about safety it's not about following the rule of law it's about control yeah i didn't even read that part so that must have been a different article because wow that's oh god Okay, I'm getting really hot now. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough they're coming after our guns. Now they're coming after toys, and they're coming after uh, soap and paperweights. I mean, this is this is BS. Yeah, I mean, and really, anything that happens to be in the shape of a gun. So now, if, for example, your child is in elementary school happens to make a gun out of popsicle sticks, you know, to go on the playground with, well, is, is he suddenly getting hauled in the principal's office, getting suspended, getting a visit from the police, get a talking to? Are the parents going to be in trouble for that now? Because he made a gun at school. Like, I hate to say where does it end, because with this government, it never ends. This is insane. I mean, and then we have people like this uh, um, 
Mr. Drummond, I, I'm not even sure what his first name is. Uh, did you watch this video? I think I sent it to you. Um, he's, he's on a podcast and he's an anti-gun activist. And he says, let's be real. Nobody hunts to feed their family anymore. Nobody's going out and shooting deer and putting venison on the table every night for their family. <laughs> I think I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me. I, I it's like I'm sorry, but I'm one of those people that does. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people who do. And and I, in case you haven't noticed, hunting license purchases, uh, pal, uh, like the the firearms license. Uh, those, all of those are up, especially in the past year. People saw how fragile our uh, food uh, uh, supply chain is, and they all decided, you know what? I better learn how to hunt. And and people like the 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 uh, firearms courses, they've all and the hunting courses have all been like they they have record numbers like more people than ever are taking these courses oh yeah and what mr drummond doesn't realize is that governments regulate hunting as a way to maintain animal populations so i mean if there is an excessive deer population for example then there will be you know there'll be x number of extra tags so that they can maintain a stable population and mr drummond also seems to forget that well, out here in the prairies, and for you in the interior in northern British Columbia, there are a lot of First Nations people who actually do hunt, trap, fish all year round to put food on the table. So yeah. this guy's a clown. And something I, I want to make clear, that is something that anyone who is not Aboriginal or First Nations is not allowed to do. Correct. Um the uh, but but I I I mean I I shot myself an elk this year, and that will feed my family for a year. And I know a lot of people who hunt and who feed their families that way. Oh yeah, I mean I mean the the meat that we get from hunting is antibiotic and hormone free. It's organic. It's uh, protein and vitamin rich. It's uh, it's everything that beef isn't. I mean, beef beef is don't don't get me wrong. Beef is good. It's good for you. It's tasty, and it. Uh, but if you've ever been to a uh, slaughterhouse or ever seen the way these cows are. Uh, rounded up and then slaughtered it's it's actually kind of horrific and it's it's not humane like factory farming is not a uh, uh something we should be aspiring to and when i go out and hunt i avoid all of that and i provide my family with the healthiest meat that you can get Yep, and you should also add in there that wildlife is 
sustainably sourced. Yes, it is. So, I mean, uh, that's got all the buzzwords that the, the left wing crowd should love. Yeah, except the word hunting. That's right. <laughs> and the word gun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else on C21 you wanted to add? Not right now. I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've discussed this ad nauseum that, that the, that this legislation targets gun owners. It doesn't target criminals. I mean, my, I have a, I have a really good friend. He's, he's been my uh, friend ever since childhood and he's an RCMP officer. And I was, I, I was looking on the uh, Canadian government's website about this new legislation and they actually state on the website that gun smuggling is in decline and straw buying is up. And straw buying, for those who don't know, is legal firearm owners buying firearms legally and then turning around and selling them illegally is called straw buying. And so th they're saying they're claiming that straw buying is up. And gun smuggling is down. And my my friend who is an RCMP officer, and he is an RCMP officer on a border town, or in a border town, said, that's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, and we had talked about that last episode, too, when uh, Tony Bernardo, who I got wrong, he's actually the head of the Canadian Sports Shooters Association. I, uh, I'm not sure why I had uh, the brain fart last time. I couldn't remember the name, but he had, yeah. he had batted that one down on a show, on a talk show. I can't remember if it was Roy Green or who he was with, and had said that, yeah, there there's only been one instance uh, in Canadian history where somebody, a straw purchase, where a handgun was used in the commission of a, of a murder. So, yep, yeah. liberals can take once. that one and stick it. Yeah, that, it's happened once. Yeah. That's it, just once. And no Canadian has ever been killed by someone with an AR-15. I mean, it's, and yet they went ahead and banned those. Um, and they've been legal in Canada for 60 years. Yeah, well, the funny thing is they're even talking about the looks of guns to make them banned. So now if you have, for example, the, the Ruger that they've that is on the banned list, if yeah. it's got the wooden stock, no problem. Polycarbonate stock, oh, my God, that, that, that's an assault rifle. So what the hell? It's the exact same weapon. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a twenty two rifle that has a – Avoid space in the stock, uh oh, so that you can put your thumb through and hold, and hold the grip like a uh, pistol grip. But it's a, it's a, it's a rifle. It's a, it's a, it. That's a a gun to use for shooting mar varmints and uh, and grouse. Not anymore. That's a military assault weapon. How dare you dress it up like that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's so ridiculous. I mean, this is. I just. I really, really hope they call an election, and this and this bill dies on the on the table. I mean, there, and then 
the conservatives. I mean, hey, at least at least Aaron O'Toole has come out with a with a stance on something. I mean, he, did you see he is he's officially stated he will repeal C twenty one C seventy one. Is it? I believe it's C seventy one as well that he's going to repeal them and uh, and do a proper fact and evidence-based firearms legislation package. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. And because I actually, he was kind of waffling on things that he wasn't answering questions the way Justin Trudeau does when asked if he would repeal the legislation and he wasn't answering. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. But then I thought about it and I thought, no, you know what? If there's an election coming, he can't say something that the tr- that the, the liberals can just keep repeating ad nauseum in, in TV ads and stuff saying, you know, that he supports gun violence. And so I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But then just just um, I think yesterday or the day before, he actually came right out and said, no, I will actually repeal these these laws. Oh, good for him. Well, yeah. now let's hope that he also repeals Bill C-22, which I know also got you upset. So uh, why don't you springboard into that one? Yeah, C-22. We talked about it last week, but I just want to remind everybody what it is. And that is, it's the legislation that removes the minimum sentencing requirements for gun crimes. Isn't that so, amazing? Yeah. So if and and here are some of the ones that will no longer have a minimum sentence. Gun smuggling, which is which accounts for 70 to 80 percent of all the firearms used in crimes in Canada. Gun smuggling, no minimum sentence. Ridiculous. Firearms, firearms trafficking. No minimum sentence. Lo- carrying a loaded handgun. No minimum sentence. Being in possession of a illegal firearm. No minimum sentence. Being in possession of a firearm without a license. No minimum sentence and the list goes on there's twice as many that i haven't even told you about but the most the worst crimes in canada to commit with a firearm no longer have a minimum sentencing requirement and that means the judge can give them time served or or uh, conditional sentences, or uh, house arrest. I mean, these are the very crimes that are responsible for the gun violence in this country. Absolutely. These are the actual crimes. These are the ones that need to be taken seriously. And he's gone and said, nope, no more minimum sentence. And the minimum sentence on most of these is a year. 
And some of them up to two, I think the minimum is two years. And those have all been removed. And now the judges can give them conditional sentences or house arrest or whatever. Yep. You still think it's about safety, Canada? Because I don't. And these bills were were uh, tabled in the uh, legislature, the House of Commons, a day apart. That's right. This is not about safety. This is about control. Yep, 100%. It's about control. And, and a theory that a friend of mine in the United States has, because he lives in California, and he said, you know, California did all of these things before you did, right? You being Canada. Yeah. And he said, he said, what he believes is happening is these governments are making really strict gun control laws, but removing the minimum penalties so that the criminals start committing more gun crimes. And then the government has a reason has a legitimate reason to actually come out with a full-on ban on firearms altogether. Well, that would be a cynical play, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past our, our current government. No, I wouldn't put it past any liberal or left-wing government. No. I mean, that's what they do before they start taking control of your lives, right? Oh. I mean, they, they disarm they disarm the the uh, population so that they can get away with everything. Yep, exactly. And I mean, I know this makes me sound like a, like a, 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 like a lunatic and a um, conspiracy theorist, but this stuff happens. This is how it starts. Yep, exactly. All right, so we'll cool our jets a little bit on, and we'll go in to talk about the Official Languages Act. And a minister who I, 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 uh, I don't want to sound mean, who is an absolute dingbat, Melanie Jolie, has introduced some changes to the Official Languages Act. And I know you. there's one you want to touch on, an aspect of it as well. And the one I want to touch on is that this law, if it's if implemented and passed, will force all federal court or Supreme Court judges, sorry, to be bilingual. And when I first heard that, my first thought was, fair enough, because, you know, if it's our Supreme Court, we do have two official languages. But then I realized that that just means you're going to get a lot more Francophones in the Supreme Court than, than Anglophones, because Francophones are, are the populace that tends to be bilingual more often because it's more advantageous for them. Yeah. And I know like my wife is from Quebec and she said to me, well, I think that that's good because when you go to the Supreme court, your court, your case could be in French or in English and your judge needs to be able to understand. And I said, yeah, no, that's fair. I said, but, what about translators? I mean, that's how we do it now. And it works. But the thing is, is that what that does is, like you said, it limits the judges to being from New Brunswick, Quebec, and parts of Ontario. And because out West, 
court cases are not heard in French. So why would a judge be forced? I mean, here's the thing. Even if a, even if a, a judge does speak French, they might not understand legal terms and all of that in French because they don't, they don't preside over cases in French in the rest of the country. Yeah, good point. So I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in favor of that at all. And then, but the one that I really noticed, because I sent you an article about it right before the show, was how they, uh, the government wants to legislate how much French is spoken outside of Quebec. I mean, they want to legislate the percentage of the population that are French-speaking outside of Quebec, because in recent years, it's been in decline. Yeah, and I think that in the federal civil service, I mean, there, is a, there has always been a French requirement for federal civil servants to, to speak French or at least have someone in the office that can speak French. And to which I say, fair enough, even if you are in, say, Edmonton, for example, where there is not a lot of French spoken. But this idea of forcing federally regulated companies or any company with more than 50 employees to be obligated to offer French language services to their employees or or is it order employees to speak French, period? I can't remember that how it's worded sure. now. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't clear on that, to be honest. I think it was that they had to have access to the French language. Whether that means they need to have at least one employee who speaks French or management, maybe. I'm, I can't, can't remember now how that, how that was worded. Uh, so. Maybe their HR director must be able to be bilingual or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's but, what it was. But I, I, I don't understand. Like more than 50 employees. I mean, that's still a small business. I mean, that's a big expense to force a business to take on. Oh, it is. And I mean, I look at the company I work for, There's, it's more than 50 employees. And I don't know of anybody in our, in our company who speaks French or is bilingual, at least bilingual French-English. I mean, uh, there's many of us who speak a different language there, but I don't think anybody that I know of speaks French. So now there you go. Would have to be an extra expense even a company like mine for yeah no i reason. mean it, because it's not only that you have to have someone on staff who speaks french but all your literature that is provided like safety manuals employee manuals all of that stuff has to be translated oh good point so there's a an extra expense there too yeah I mean, it's, it, this is, as a business owner, this stuff gets under my skin because they're forcing me, they're forcing expenses on me that I don't need. If I have a French speaking employee, I'll do what I have to, to provide him or her with, uh, with that, that stuff. That's my decision. But they're taking that decision away from business owners. 
and they're forcing it on them, and that's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Speaking and I don't of know how the hell they expect to legislate the percentage of the population that speaks French outside of Quebec. How, how do you do that? How do you legislate that? Yeah, I, I don't even know how they would, would even start. You know, I don't know how they could police something like that. Are you going to force people to move out of Quebec? Are you going to only, are you going to start, you know, uh, allowing immigration from only French speaking countries so that we get to a certain level of French speakers outside of the province of Quebec? Because we all know Quebec uh, handles their own immigration, which I still don't understand how they can do that. And the rest of the country has to fall under the federal government. Well, it's in the Constitution, and other provinces have just chosen not to exercise that power. So, yeah, but it's so I, I just don't know how they how they expect to do that. I mean, that sounds like an impossible task. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. So, okay, we've got a few minutes left. I think we should probably use that time to talk about a conservative motion that passed on Monday. 266 yeah. yay to zero nay with two uh, uh, MPs who abstained. But who was not present for the vote, Lewis? Oh, there was quite a few. Uh, there was the leader of our country and his entire cabinet, save one. Correct. And the only one who I did attend from cabinet was Mark Garneau, who abstained from voting on this conservative motion to declare the Chinese action against the Uyghur Muslims in Western China to declare it what it is, a genocide. And Mark Garneau, yeah, Mark Garneau stood up and said, I abstain on behalf of the government. So by them abstaining, not even bothering to show up, I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask the question, does this mean they support the genocide in China? Well, this is something that I tackled with my rant earlier today. And I'll reiterate it here. I don't know if this means that our government leaders like Trudeau and Christia Freeland and their cohorts, if it means that they are spineless and cowardly, or if it means that they're in bed with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, or if they have other interests that they can't, that they don't want to uh, upset. Like, I just don't, I don't know what to say about this because I don't know if it's incompetence or if it's malice. Well, see, I go with the spineless and cowardly argument because that, uh, to me, that's been a hallmark of this government, especially when it comes to China. And I mean, that they take their quote-unquote leadership from Trudeau on that file. And whatever the reason is, Justin Trudeau will absolutely never stand up to China on any issue. And in fact, he does his best to kowtow. And he'll, I feel like he looks for ways to give in to China. Yeah, well, I mean, he still hasn't said... He still hasn't banned Huawei from our 5G network and our, and our 
al- security allies are refusing to share any uh, information, any intelligence with us because of it. Um, he has signed Huawei to uh, an R&D program for universities across the country. He admires China's basic dictatorship and um, and like I said in my early uh, in my rant earlier today, I mean to to try not to sound conspiracy theorist here, but we know that the CCP has people in high ranking positions all around the world in governments, in corporations. Uh, I mean, is there something here we don't know? There has to be. I mean, when the whole lockdowns occurred, when our two weeks to flatten the curve began almost a year ago, there was Canadian government was still allowing inbound flights from China when our borders were effectively closed to anybody else. And yet there was, I believe it was 5,000 passengers a day who were still coming from China into Canada, into the four main airports. And I just said, what the hell? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we also, I don't believe our government has ever, um, has ever acknowledged that this virus didn't come from a wet market. Well, you had pointed out that the CBC was still pushing that angle uh, on our show a couple weeks ago. And I, I was I was stunned. I'd forgotten that until you pointed it out, and I just thought, "What the actual hell?" I mean, we know the CBC is just the the propaganda arm for the Liberal Party of Canada, so I mean, we know that where they're why they're towing that line, and I it blows me away. Yeah, no, me too. I, I uh, and this is when I say, if you can't chalk it up to incompetence, it must be malice. Sure looks that way, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's pathetic. And yet, they still lead in the polls. Yeah, you know, they've, they've, they've lost some support, but were an election called today, it would actually, I think it still would be a very slim majority for the Liberals, according to yeah, the Liberals would actually They would actually increase their seat count by two if there was an election today. Oh, okay, so that's not a majority yet. Good. No, but they still would win they would still have government. And that, that in itself is an absolute, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. It's like, come on, Canada, like get your head out of the sand. Yeah, exactly. So, but I say, I think I said this to you before, right? Like Canadians have an extremely high tolerance for liberal corruption and incompetence, but they have no tolerance for conservatives yeah none at all and it's well they'll give conservatives a chance but barely and it'll last one or two election cycles and then gone but with the liberals trudeau could come to your house and rob you blind while you watch and you'll still vote for him because that's what he's doing Absolutely, he is. 
All right. Well, Canada, we're at our time here. (laughs) I want to end. I want to end this on a high note. Oh, excellent. Uh, I want to thank our listeners because once again, I I have looked at our at our listenership numbers, and once again, our numbers are up from last from last week. Like we, our numbers keep increasing, and I want to thank our listeners for telling their friends and their family about us because. We couldn't, I mean, we're not, we're not making any money from this, but we want to get our message out. We want Canadians to hear some common sense about our politics. So thank you very much. Yep. That's a great way to end the show. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Canada. I hadn't looked at the numbers, so thank you, Lewis, for pointing that out. And thank you to our new listeners and our long-term listeners for tuning in. And until next week, you can definitely look definitely sorry look forward to hearing a few more rants from the two of us. But until then, it's Tony here in Saskatchewan, and Lewis out here in BC.